Well, good morning, West Bowles. Great to see you guys today. Really good to see you guys today. So I'm Brad Brady. I'm one of your elders. Last week you got to heard from, uh, hear from Brian Burns. He's another one of your elders. But today I found out from Ginger is Pastor Appreciation Day. So uh, I guess Nathan gets the day off on Pastor Appreciation Day. He deserves it, right? And, and thank you. We're just grateful that you allow us to come up here from time to time in Nathan's place. Uh, we certainly can't do it as well as he does it, but uh, we're blessed to have him. He needs some rest from every now and then. So we're going to continue. We're actually going to finish our series about squirrels. No, not the little animals, but the things, the side things that really scream at us and want to be the main things. With all that's going on here in our lives in 2020, you know, we run the risk of losing sight of who God is and who we are in Christ. And so we've looked at those things that we're calling squirrels, those things that distract us from that, that pull us away from knowing who God is and who we are in Him. We've gone through some different ones. Control, we want to have control. Pride, our work, money, owning things versus things owning you, success and failure. But today's squirrel we're going to talk about is other people. So can other people distract us from knowing who God really is and who we are in Christ? Heard a story a while back about a group of friars, and they were behind in payments at the monastery. So they decided to make a little extra money. They opened up a florist shop at the monastery, and business was going gangbusters. I mean, people were flocking there. People loved to buy their flowers from these men of God. Well, across town, there was another florist, a private, independent businessman. And he was losing tons of business to these friars. In fact, he was almost ready to go out of business. So he set up a meeting with the friars. He went over and talked to them. He explained their, his situation. He said, I think you guys are unfair competition. I think you should leave this to florists, and you guys do the work of God. So he asked them to close their floor shop. And the friars said, no, it's going pretty well for us. He begged them to close the florist shop. And the friar said no. So the independent guy, he goes back and he decides he's going to hire some muscle to change their point of view. So he goes out and hires Hugh McTaggart, the toughest guy in town. I mean, he was a giant of a man. So Hugh went and paid the friars a visit. He trashed their store. He taunted them with threats. He said, under no, uh, under no uncircum terms, you better close this shop or else. Well, that got the friar's attention for sure. Scared the living daylights out of them, actually. So they decided to close their floor shop. So you know what this proves? Is only Hugh can prevent florist friars. <laughs> that is a tongue twister, let me tell you. <laughs> So he was a big, tough guy. He definitely got these guys' attention. Today we're going to look at another big, tough guy, a giant squirrel named Goliath, who by his words and actions paralyzed an entire army, causing them to run away in fear. And he distracted them from God's promise and purpose for them. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll also have the scriptures on the screen. So who we listen to and what we take to heart, it actually shapes who we are, and it influences our perception. 2020 has been a crazy rodeo ride 
for most all of us. You remember the good old days back in 2019 when life was sweet and the living was easy? Seems like a long time ago. 2020 is different, right? It's not just the COVID pandemic. I mean, that started it all. The quarantine, the closing of the of the economy, the restarting of the economy. It's not only that, but we have the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor that have brought about up issues of race, racial inequality, social justice. We have protests going across the country, some peaceful, some violent. And if that isn't enough, we're in the midst of a political season that is one of the most bitter political seasons I've ever seen. You know, my daughter forwarded me... Uh, a podcast to me by Christine Kane. I really love Christine Kane. But what she said is true. In the midst of all this stuff that's going on around us, we live in a world that's bombarded with nonstop information. You know, everywhere we turn, there's another voice telling us what we should believe about ourselves, what we should believe about society, and what we should believe about our world. That's true. You look at television, you look at social media. We have celebrities, athletes, sports figures, bankers, lawyers, doctors, Indian chiefs, all telling us their opinion. And they get rather ticked off if you don't listen to them. We're bombarded with other people's opinions and views. These things are definitely squirrels for us in the sense that we're talking about in this series. Other people's opinions and views, those are the side things that are screaming at us right now to be the main things. Before we know it, we can find ourselves listening to those people instead of the truth of God's word on who he is and who we are in him. What, who we listen to and what we take to heart shapes who we are and affects our perception of the world around us. And this has been going on all our lives, really, right? Think about when you were growing up. Maybe you or someone you knew had a teacher or a coach that says, you're too slow. You can't catch you're way behind. You're not very good at this. Or a parent or a relative said to him, you're lazy. You're never going to amount to anything. Or other kids would bully you, call you a name, make fun of you. You know, we take those words to heart. We take those words to heart. And it starts to shape who we are. Now, you compare that to what God says about us, our creator, through his word. You're a child of God. You are uniquely made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are beautiful. There is no one else exactly like you in the whole world. You have been chosen and set apart for a God-given purpose. You are called. You are anointed. You are equipped for this purpose. You are strong and courageous. Now, who we listen to and what we take to heart really does shape who we are and influences our perception. The question becomes, who are we listening to? You know, if you give everybody equal attention in your lives, if you aren't selective in who you allow to speak into your life, you can actually get pulled away from your God-given purpose and your God-given destiny. God's Word, Scripture, is full of examples. So we're going to look at this one today in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and a giant squirrel named Goliath. But let me set up the stage for you on where we find them. We have two armies that are assembling for war. We have two hills on each side, a valley in the middle. The valley is where the battle is going to take place. So we have Saul and the Israelite army occupying one hill. We have the Philistines, the enemy, occupying the other hill. 
Now, what's important to realize and important to know about this is this, pa- this battle is all part of God's plan and purpose for his chosen people. In fact, Saul's army, the whole army is there because God sent them there to this exact place. And God had already promised them victory over the Philistines. That was their destiny. So that's the scene. Two armies are drawing to, together to fight each other. And then we see this. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Now, that was a really imposing sight, right? That would draw your attention. It would make you look. And that's what the entire Israelite army did. They saw Goliath, and he fit the part. He was big, scary, powerful. But that sight alone didn't distract them, the Israelites, from their mission. What happened next did. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only servants of Saul. Choose you. I dare you. Choose a man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you're mine. You will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. The Bible tells us when Saul... And the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, I want you to catch that. I want to emphasize that word, heard. It's when Saul and the Israelites heard the words he spoke over them. It's not when we see a nine-foot giant that they start to freak out. It's when they heard the enemy's lies and took them to heart. That's when the Bible tells us they became terrified and deeply shaken. You know, by his words and actions, Goliath paralyzed and crippled an entire army, causing them to run away in fear. What's more, he distracted them from God's promise and purpose. It's amazing the power words have over us. And this goes on and on for days. Each morning and evening, for 40 days, Goliath took his stand and made his speech. Who do you think you are? You're losers. You're weak. You're pathetic. I'm a champion. I'm strong and powerful. I dare you to send me someone to take me on. I dare you. I defy you. For 40 days this went on. Morning and night, this guy would strut in front of them and taunt them. You know, I actually think that would have been better than what we have happening here today with technology. I mean, if Goliath came out in the morning and the evening, at least the, at least the Israelites had a break during the middle of the day. But we're not that fortunate. You know, we have news channels and other media sources that not only deliver the news, but offer targeted viewpoints and opinions 24-7, non-stop. I know people. The first thing they do in the morning is they turn on a specific news station. When they wake in the morning, and it stays on continuously until they shut it off when they leave their house or when they go to bed at night. Now, I don't know if this is just background noise, or I don't know if they're focused on it, but you stew around in that pot of negativity for that long, all day long, it's bound to bend you out of shape. 
or social media available 24-7. You, everywhere you go now, you see people, and all they're doing is this, right? Our grandson, the first thing he learned to do was he thought that's what you did with a phone. He'd grab our phone and just start going like this. But that's what people do. They're scrolling, scrolling through all sorts of things. The thing about social media is that people can say whatever the heck they want to say about whatever they want to talk about. And man, it's, it's amazing. It seems that everybody has an opinion, and they feel it's necessary to share it with us. You know, for the most part, I go through life kind of happy-go-lucky. I kind of skip through life, you know, not a care in the world, until I hear that news report, until I read that tweet, until I meet up with that surly person. And then, bam! I start to get bent all out of shape. You know, I was basically happy and full of faith before I read that, before I watched that newscast, and before I met up with those people. So if, we, if who we listen to and what we take to heart shapes who we are and influences our perception, then some of us need to change the channel we're watching. Some of us need to put down our phones some of, the, some of us need to change our friends, change the people we are allowing to speak into our lives. I got a buddy that goes to a Bible study with me up at, um, up at where we live in the neighborhood, and he's a very successful businessman. But he says every few weeks he goes on, what, he goes on a silent retreat. I know a lot of people here do that too as a discipline. But he says he can't take, after he can't take it anymore, all the competition, all the people talking in his life, all the scoreboard, financial scoreboard activities he has to listen to, he needs a time to spend eight hours with just God. And in his words, he crawls up into God's lap and talks to his father. And he gets downloads from God. And he comes out of that retreat a changed man, highly charged with the things of God, more focused. So... Um, how are we going to navigate these crazy times that we have in 2020? How are we going to get through all of this? Um, during COVID, we started watching a television show that was on years ago. Many of you are probably familiar with it. But it's a show called Friday Night Lights. It's about a high school football team in Texas, the Dillon Panthers. You know, it's full of drama, high school kids and their relationships, parents, sports, some do pressure on this game of football. But how many of you have seen that, Friday Night Lights? How many of you know that show? Okay, for those of you out there who know the show, if I say to you, clear eyes, full hearts, what's your response? Can lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can lose. The Dillon Panthers had this motto, this slogan, this rally cry, if you will. And they shout it out before they uh, leave the locker room to go out on the field. As they break from huddle on the sidelines and enter the game, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. So how do people navigate the crazy times that we're in? How are we going to not be distracted by the squirrel of other people, people's opinions, viewpoints that distract us from knowing who God is and who we are in Him? It's with clear eyes and full hearts from a godly perspective. Then we really can't lose. So clear eyes. Don't let their view change your view. We know the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. So let's see how he navigated the circumstances he encountered when he enters the scene here in 1 Samuel 17. So David's the youngest of the family. David has been faithfully serving his father, tending his sheep in Bethlehem. 
while his older brothers were away at the war, his father sent David to the battle, though. He sent, them, he sent them, him with food and supplies for his sons. And he wanted David to check on his brothers and bring back a report to them. So when David got there, this is what he encountered. They were preparing for war. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left the things that he brought with the keeper of the supplies, and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw this, it triggered them. They began to run away in fright. Now, I want you to see this. David heard exactly the same thing that his brothers and the entire Israelite army heard from the enemy. He heard this, exactly the same taunting. He heard exactly the same ridicule. He heard exactly the same lies. But Scripture is going to show us that you can hear exactly what everyone else is hearing, but it doesn't have to derail you. We don't have to react the same way everyone around us is reacting. Here you have an entire army that allowed Goliath to speak the enemy's lies to them, and they became paralyzed and crippled in fear. Instead of a clear view of their God and their given destiny, their view became distorted by the enemy. But David chose to listen to God's voice. Instead of being distracted by the giant, and he was able to react in a very different way. While the rest of the army was fleeing and running away, David turns an ass. David asked the soldier standing nearby, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. David immediately takes the battle to the place it should be. He calls out the enemy's lies, and he challenges the authority of the person making them. Who is this man you're listening to? And why are you allowing him to defy us? David pulls their focus back to the reality with clear vision and purpose. He says, we are the armies of the living God. We are here because God sent us here to have victory, not defeat. I don't know why all you guys are freaking out because of this Philistine. Don't lose sight of God's plan for us. Clear eyes. Don't let their view change your view. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been freaking out a little bit with all that's going on around us, with how people are reacting uh, to the situation and what they're saying? I know, it's, it's, it's unsettling. And I think a lot of the angst we're feeling is because we're looking at the other people. We're watching how they respond and react, listening to a lot of things we shouldn't be listening to. If you and I could just keep our eyes focused on Jesus, clear eyes fixed on who he is and who we are in, in him. Christine Kane calls it staying in our lane. If we could just stay, stay in our lane, stay the course, we could do a better job of navigating the times in which we're living right now. But you know what? When you're doing that, when you're doing a good job of that, when you're staying in the course with God's plan and purpose, fixing your eyes on Jesus, not freaking out and reacting the way everybody else is, then you're going to attract some criticism from other people. Scripture says, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the other soldiers, to the other men, focusing their attention back on God, he was angry. 
What are you doing around here, he said. What about those few sheep you were supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride. I know your deceit. You just want to see the battle. Typical little, fashion, uh, little brother fashion. David says, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. You know, big brother's upset with little brother. He's maybe embarrassed a little bit too because little brother is showing a lot more poise and strength through the situation. Sometimes when you're staying on the course of God's plan and purpose, the naysayers are going to start coming out, and they're going to question your motives. They might be well-intentioned, too. But you have to discern, are these people squirrels? Are they trying to distract me? They also question your ability. David's now in front of the king. Saul, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. I love this poem. Uh, memorized it years and years ago. It's a poem called If by Kipling. Don't know if you're familiar with it. I even passed it on to my kids when they graduated from, from college. But the first stanza of that poem says, If you can keep your head... When all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. When you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but leave allowance for their doubting too. When you're keeping your head, when others are losing theirs, expect people to come and question your motives. Expect people to come and question your heart. Expect people to come and question your response. Because you know what? They want you to be as freaked out by what's going on as they are. Perhaps they're feeling a little guilty about it. So with clear eyes, don't let their view change your view. Full hearts, don't lose heart because of what they say. David said to Saul, and no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. No one lose heart because, on account of him. Your servant will go fight him. You know, how many of us has lost How many of us lose heart because of something someone said to us? In the case of Goliath, you know, he had evil intentions. But how about people that might be well-intentioned? And without thinking, they just kind of say something to you, an offhanded comment, a reaction maybe. And you become, you take that word to heart and you become discouraged. You lose heart. You give up on something. You quit. You get pulled away from God's plan and purpose. When I became a Christian, I didn't become a Christian until my early 20s. It was after I got out of college. I had some friends I grew up with that were Catholics. And they had invited me to a Catholic retreat. It was called an encounter with Christ. And they thought it would be good for me. So I went. It was like a three, four-day conference that we were at. I remember the last night of that uh, retreat... I remember the room we were in, 40 young people praying. I remember how, how the room smelled. I remember the lighting in the room. And I felt an incredible tug on my heart that Jesus was there knocking on my heart. And I said that prayer. I couldn't even believe I was saying it. Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. And it was powerful. I still get tinglings when I think about that time. It was a powerful experience for me. It changed my life. I asked God into my heart. So the next day, I go back from the retreat. Next day, I call up a college friend of mine who I knew was a Christian. He was attending a Bible study with some young people. 
And I told him my story, and I said, hey, I'd love to go to that Bible study with you. So he said, yeah, sure, come on. So there we are at this Bible study, about 10, 12 guys, all in their early 20s, and the leader of the Bible study, he asked me about this experience I had, so I told him. And he frowns at me, he looks at me, he said, this was at a Catholic retreat? And I said, yeah. He said, well, was it evangelical? And I said, I don't even know what that word means. And he scoffed at me, and he said, ah, couldn't have been a true conversion. And talk about losing heart. I was crushed by what he said. I can't even remember the rest of the Bible study. I remember looking over at my friend, and he's just staring at the ground. Anyway, I took, it almost derailed me. It took a long time for me to find my way back to God. But as God does, he put other people in my life that, that really helped me out. If we're going to navigate these times, we can't lose heart because of what other people say. We need hearts full full hearts, full of the promises of God. Over the years, I've written down some things that I like to repeat to myself from time to time. These promises of God. God will sustain me. God's peace will guard my heart. God will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. God is my refuge and strength, my help in times of need. In all things, I am more than a conqueror because God loves me. God will never leave me or forsake me. God's perfect love casts out all my fear. Nothing can separate me from God's love. God is not done with me. God is not done with me. God is not done with me. Clear eyes, full hearts of God's promises, and we can't lose. We don't have to run from the battle. We can run to the battle and through the battle. You know, David asked the question, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. David's saying to the armies at that time, but also to us here today, we are the people of the living God. We don't have to run from battle. We can run to the battle and through the battle. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than is in the world. John says it this way, but you belong to God, dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because he, the spirit who lives in you, is greater than he, the spirit who lives in this world. Those people belong to the world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we, we belong to God. Paul says it like this, what then, with all these things happening around us in 2020, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? With clear eyes, full hearts, we can't lose. We don't have to run from the battle. We can run to the battle and through the battle. And Scripture points out what is going through the battle. What is on the other side of this battle? How is this all going to work out for us? Paul says this in Romans. No, despite all these things that are happening, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or what we're worried about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, no pandemic, no riot, no political season. Indeed, nothing in all creation will never be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
clear eyes, full hearts. We can't lose. We can't lose. While the praise team's coming back up, I want to leave you with a story. You guys remember having hearing tests back in elementary school. I know we all remember the vision test probably better, but I remember um, them putting some earphones on you and putting sounds in each side of the earphone, and it'd get quieter or louder, and you'd have to tell them if it was right or left. Well, before they had the electronics to do that, back in my parents' day, they would do a hearing test by whispering something to a kid, and that child would repeat it. The teacher would whisper, Star Spangled Banner, and the kid would say, Star Spangled Banner, right? So there was this teacher back in the day. She was so well-liked by her students and their parents. She was so good at what she did. She was admired by her colleagues. She had in her class of fifth graders a lonely young girl, and this was the girl that the other kids would single out and make fun of. She didn't dress right. She was not very attractive. Her home life was horrible. She was the child of alcoholic parents that really didn't give a care about her. To make matters worse, she had a speech impediment. She had a cleft palate, and the kids would tease her and tease her and tease her unmercifully. So here we have this teacher who's giving this hearing test, and kids are coming up to the front of the class, teachers whispering a phrase in their ear, and the kids are repeating it to their classmates. So all of a sudden, it's time for this little girl to come up. And the teacher knows the embarrassment that this little kid is going to face. So this teacher gets down on a knee at her level. Excuse me. And she says to the little girl, she said, look at me. And the thing that she whispers to this little girl is, I love you, and I wish you were my daughter. And she meant it. Be wanted by that teacher who was so loved and admired, it changed this little girl's life. She went on to do missionary work all around the world, and she spent her life helping others, all because somebody loved her and wanted her. God so loved this world that he sent his only son, Jesus. He came down to our level in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on around us. And he has us look into his eyes, and he whispers to, to us, I love you so much. You are so precious to me. I want you to be my sons and daughters. So in the face of these challenges, let's not forget who we are and whose we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he has done for us. Thank you that he has made us right with you. We're honored, although we don't deserve, we're honored to be your children. Help us live like that in this world. And help us bring your message to this hurting world right now, because it needs it. We lift everything up to you. In Jesus we pray, amen.